This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Katy Gapaya here and today's podcast discussion, we will be talking all things mental health, but more specifically mental health and well-being for new dads. What happens during pre and post birth and how dads can stay on top of their mental health to be in the best shape for their partner and child. To lend his expertise on this issue is James Brown, who we welcome back to the podcast. James is a registered clinical psychologist and has been working with families for over 15 years. He has a particular interest in assisting men with their psychological health and well-being. In addition to his clinical work, James is also a consultant with the Australian Psychological Society. We at The Fathering Project are also very lucky to have James as a member of our board. James, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me again, Katty. Thank you so much. Um, James, if you don't mind, we'll jump straight into it. This month is Mental Health Month and all our listeners will be keen to understand how they can improve their mental health. So in the context of mental health and emotional well-being, can you please explain some changes that happen to men during their partner's pregnancy and when they become dads? I think there uh, I, 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 there's lots of different things that we could kind of cover in that, uh, as you can all appreciate becoming a parent is such a big change uh, in somebody's life. But if I could talk about the two most significant, I would say, first of all, relationships are a significant thing that are impacted in this transition uh, to parenting period uh, for dads and mums, of course, as well. And so relationships, meaning obviously their um, relationship with their, their partner is significantly impacted and changed uh, when their partner becomes pregnant. So that pregnancy period, um, can really bring about a lot of changes in both of their lives as they navigate that time. Uh, if their partner's sick or unwell, as often the case is with pregnancy, uh, any complications that may arise, and just generally the, the, the changes that it brings to, to their partner um, and how that then impacts on the dad, you know, that they uh, may be not able to uh, go out and do things socially as much as they would have done before. Um, they, they might be in more of a caring role. Uh, that might happen quite suddenly, of course, if their partner becomes unwell during pregnancy. And so they might find themselves, you know, rapidly having to adjust to care for their partner, take time off work maybe for their partner, uh, attend lots of appointments and things like that. So, so that sort of stuff can obviously be really impactful. And, and socially that can start to impact uh, on their lives uh, in their ability to do the things that they would have normally gone about doing. And, and that's true right through, of course, into that postnatal period uh, when the, the baby arrives and, and those sorts of uh, relationship and, and social relationship changes uh, you know, continue on. Uh, through that period. So it's just a lot of change uh, during that period of time. So relationships would be one thing. And then the second thing would be in terms of the, the, the physical changes that um, are experienced by parents and, and particularly by dads. And most importantly would be to note the, the sleep uh, element of that. So the impacts of, of uh, disturbed sleep, sleep deprivation, 
Uh, we know that that is not good for our mental health uh, generally. Uh, anybody that's been a parent knows in those early stages that uh, your sleep is, is completely disrupted with nighttime feeds, uh, changing nappies, all those sorts of things. Uh, babies don't come with a, with a ready-made adjusted clock to our nine to five working life cycle, uh, our, our uh, general sleep cycle. They come out with a very different uh, clock to what ours is. And so our, our sleep cycles can be very impacted by that. And, and, and that really does throw our, our kind of mental stability around a fair bit in that early, in that early period. From your perspective, is there a mindset um, that dads can adopt going into the situation, knowing that they're about to have a child that would help them cope with, you know, the issues that come out and the changes that are around around this time? Yeah, I, I would advocate uh, that probably the best mindset is what we would describe as being um, psychologically flexible. So often um, young parents are really, I think, wrongly told to be planning for everything, to have everything in control, all elements covered. You know, I, I remember as my own experience, um, you know, that you would have the bag ready for the hospital and the car with the baby seat all ready to go. Now, they're all good things, good ideas. But if you walk into uh, parenthood um, expecting to be in control of everything, you're going to have a really hard time. If you walk into it with very rigid ideas around how things are going to go, even the birthing experience, uh, you'll be more uh, disappointed and, and disrupted. I think that the best thing you can do walking into that experience is to maintain a, an attitude of flexibility. And so examples of that would be cliches like the ability to roll with the punches, take each day as it comes, one step at a time. You know, those sorts of cliches are actually helpful expressions of reminders of, of how to best go about this uh, uh, period. So, so being planned, of course, as best as possible, being prepared as well as you can, but being ready to be flexible and to roll with punches as you encounter the many different changes and challenges that are coming your way. That's great advice. Flexibility, yeah. Mindset of flexibility as you go into it because you don't have control. Absolutely none. Uh, now, there are many who might see, um, still see perinatal or postnatal anxiety and depression as something that happens to mums, but not to dads. However, this is far from the truth. Can you tell us what the research says on this? Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting in the, when you say what the research says. Well, the researchers weren't even asking the question a couple of decades ago. So we were becoming more and more aware of, of um, mothers' experiences of uh, mental unwellness uh, pre and, and post, um, you know, but we weren't actually asking the question about the dads. They were really forgotten um, in this experience. Not, not, not so forgotten, don't, don't get me wrong, not to the point that they weren't being asked um, or weren't being catered for in some way. You know, we've certainly come a long way, but, you know, we weren't really even estimating um, that dads might also be experiencing um, poor mental health during this period. And there's been a number of individuals that have highlighted that and, and then advocated for change in that. So internationally, Mark Williams in the UK was one person, a father, through his own experience that brought that to the awareness of the general public, that we weren't asking questions about men's or father's mental health during this period. So in early estimations, we would say maybe one in 10 dads might be experiencing quite significant 
um, mental unwellness, you know, during this period of time. But since then, we've actually started to think mm, it's probably a little bit more about four out of 10 um, is some of the estimates. But we still don't screen for it very well. Uh, you know, we still don't have very good, robust research on this yet, where we can actually say with with real better kind of certainty around what's the what's the real experience in the in the general public of, of fathers uh, in terms of their mental health. So we hope to get better with that. Um, there are a number of organisations that are really working hard, like the Centre for Perinatal Mental Health, based down in uh, in Victoria in Australia, uh, started by uh, Dr. Bronwyn Lee. You know, so we do know that some uh, uh, researchers and clinicians are really advocating for better uh, understanding of this. And, and so hopefully we'll see that in the future, both fathers and mothers, you know, will be screened as they go through this process to make sure that we're asking the right questions about how their mental health is uh, during this important uh, transition to parenthood period. Now, we know that men can find it more difficult to open up and seek help if they are finding that they're not feeling right. How do you suggest dads can start the conversation if something doesn't feel right? Yeah, that's that's a great question because like it really comes down to, you know, that tendency of men to be um, poor help seekers. Now, um, one of the things that's in particularly important to note in this context is that a lot of fathers actually, when they talk about their experiences post, they, they actually say they felt really guilty that they were not doing well because they felt that that was unfair. You know, that their poor old spouse was the one that, you know, had the baby. Why should I be struggling? You know, that kind of reaction. And, and so the first thing is to, you know, say to dads, of course you would be struggling. It would make complete sense. Uh, if you look at all of the factors, some of which I mentioned earlier in this podcast, of what it is like to go through a birthing experience and, and then having a newborn, with all of the elements of sleep deprivation and change and disruption, uh, of course, any parent, father or mother, might actually start to feel an element of being unwell to the point of, of really needing to be helped to actually seek help. And, and so I think it's important that we sort of, you know, normalise this idea that it, it is probably more likely that you will need some help in this experience rather than not. And just because it was your spouse that, you know, physically, of course, you know, gave birth to the baby and all the things that they uh, go through, which we obviously greatly honour for, for that experience that they go through to have a child, that it certainly doesn't mean that the, the dad um, isn't themselves also experiencing some difficulties. And, and I, I would also just personally comment on that. I, I know um, my wife, Michelle, would be comfortable in me saying this. We, we talk openly about it with our kids, in fact, that with our third child, um, she was a large baby. Uh, Victoria was 11 pound, one ounces in the old scale, which is quite large. I can't remember what it was in kilos. It was a very large baby, very healthy baby. She was about a three-month-old in size uh, when she was born. And, and it was for us as parents quite an impactful birth. It, I remember feeling really knocked around by this birth. And Michelle, for the first six months afterwards, was depressed, was unwell. Um, we needed to get her some support. Her, her hair was falling out. Um, you know, the, the impacts on her body was very, very significant. And I remember in that time that I was struggling, but I, I remember having these sorts of feelings, feeling badly that I was struggling because it was really Michelle um, that had been through it. So I can really relate to that. And I would just say to the guys, 
you know, don't, don't succumb to that, you know, because what we can tend to do is withdraw, retreat into our, our caves, our silence and try to be stoic and think that we need to just be, you know, tough or whatever the words might be. But in, I mean, in fact, the best things that Michelle and I did in that time was just to open up to each other that we were both struggling with this reaction uh, to this um, challenging birth experience and then to individually sort some support. Uh, and that can sometimes be, for, for Michelle, um, that was more professional, that experience. And you know, we identified that she really did need some help physically as well, of course, because of the birthing experience. But also for myself, don't... Um, uh, I guess, downplay just the reaching out to your fellow dads, the other fathers, the other parents. I, I remember for myself, I got a lot of benefit out of some of the friendships that I had with a couple of the other dads in my life at the time that had kids and a couple of them in particular, they were really there for me and that was what I needed and it really helped me through that time. So, yeah, don't, uh, you know, retreat into that, that silent withdrawal state uh, dads, make sure that you do reach out and get your own support through those types of experiences. And I imagine this is where the dads groups become particularly important, having a network of, um, you know, people that you can reach out to, as you say you did, to mm, help yeah. through this really difficult period. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to know about the fact that there are more and more of these types of groups emerging across the country um, and really grateful for the work of the Fathom Project for being behind these sorts of things because it wasn't there for me. I'm a little bit of an old dad and it wasn't there for me uh, in a formal way and I really wished that it was. I would have fully loved it. It would have been great. But those informal networks for me, though, with other dads were certainly enough and certainly wonderful supports. Listeners, um, we do have um, dads groups. So if you go onto our website, you will be able to see uh, and be able to become part of a dads groups, dads group near you if you need that and um, would like to connect with other dads in your area. Now, becoming a new dad is uncharted territory and can feel isolating for some. Can the traditional gender stereotypes in society also play into these feelings? Yes, I mean, for, for dads in particular, there, there is some um, lingering issues in our society when we think about this idea of traditional, that there is these lingering issues where dads can tend to succumb to the, the notions that persist in our society that parenthood is, is a, a mother's domain. So, uh, it, so we refer to this as maternal essentialism, you know, this idea that their role is the essential role in a child's life and that a father's role can tend to be seen as periphery or secondary. Now, we know that that's not the case. It's not supported. Uh, the evidence actually shows that, you know, the, the best support that a, a child can have is, you know, two co-parents pulling together that both have equivalents, uh, both can do certain aspects of child rearing equally well and that uh, the, the presence of both in the life of a, of a child is, is of equal importance. And so we really are hoping as, as you know, certainly our society grows and develops that we will, we will start to let go of those notions and, and appreciate that, um, you know, that this domain of, of parenting uh, is for both uh, fathers and mothers and, and uh, certainly um, that uh, dads need to feel uh, that they can step into that ring and, and do equally well and, and be a part of that child-rearing experience from the get-go. 
Yeah, it's the, the notion in society, I think, that um, both parents, mothers and fathers, can be both breadwinners and caregivers. That's exactly right. And, you know, we know that there are other parts of the world that are doing some of these things a little bit better than us. We know that Scandinavia, you often hear that in any kind of media report, you know, when we talk about parenting or education or child rearing. And we know that Scandinavia has been doing this much better than most parts of the world for many years by advocating for, you know, both parents being uh, able to participate in unpaid work and paid work in, in, in family life uh, and, and to have better equality um, in their society as a result. What are your top three tips for new dads, James, to keep their mental health and well-being in check? So I think going back to those first points to, you know, to the very first question that started our discussion today would be, you know, that relationships are impacted by becoming a parent. So attend to those relationships. Uh, make sure that in particular, your most important relationship with your, your spouse or your partner is maintained and looked after and nurtured and that we don't just start to uh, make our children the absolute centre of the world and universe and neglect the relationship that is there to sustain and support them as we raise them. Um, so I would be saying to, to new dads, you know, you can still have time with your partner. You can still, you know, have dates. You know, you can still maintain that most important relationship. It, it will be different, but it still is possible. You know, I, I remember going out for an ice cream date with my first child, with Michelle, you know, where it was our date, but, you know, Callum was there in the, you know, the, the carrier, you know, kind of under the table almost, um, you know, the date was for us, you know, he was a newborn, he wasn't getting ice cream, you know, you know, we, we have to make sure we still prioritise that relationship. And the same with our other relationships, we, we, we have to change, we have to adapt to becoming dads and the priorities that change with that, but we can still have friendships, we can still maintain a social life, uh, we really need to. Um, the second thing is relating to that other topic area about the physical impacts of becoming a parent, like, like sleep. So attend to that, you know, make sure that you are doing whatever you can to get good sleep, good rest, um, good recovery time um, so that you can function as well as possible. You know, uh, you might be, for example, needing to return to work at some point soon after having the baby. And that can be a real challenge um, when you're, you're sleep deprived. So it's a priority to make sure that you find a way to address that. And, and if you are struggling with that, to get some help for it. Um, for example, as a psychologist, one of the things that we do often help people is addressing sleep difficulties. We can do that, um, you know, not, not just with pills. In fact, pills usually aren't a good option for sleep difficulties. So look, uh, look out for those factors and, and attend to those factors with your well-being as much as you can and seek help for that. James, once again, it's been a pleasure to have you join us. Your tips were fantastic and simple to follow as well. Thank you so much. Um, and you provided your expertise on this very critical issue for all new dads. Um, everything's new and everything's different. And we all have trouble fitting in with that, of course. Becoming a new dad is an exciting journey, but dads need to know that sometimes not all the days are great and that it's okay to need support and put their mental health first. Listeners, if you're seeking further support or find you're struggling, we encourage you to visit your local GP. Uh, to get a referral to a local psychologist, which is subsidised under Medicare. There is also support available at Lifeline, Men's Line and Beyond Blue. James, thank you again for your time and we look forward to having you on again. Great.
anytime. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fathering First podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to give us some love, share it with your friends and leave a review on your preferred podcast app. If you're feeling extra generous, you can also donate to help us continue to change children's lives through fathering. The link is in the description. Thank you in advance. The content doesn't stop here. If you're looking for more support between episodes, check out the Fathering channel at thefatheringproject.org forward slash fathering dash channel for all your fathering resources.